Before we begin, we'd like to invite you to check out the Pop Culture Preservation Society on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows artists and creators to earn a recurring income by providing rewards and perks to its subscribers. When you support the PCPS on Patreon, your donation goes directly to our operational expenses and keeps us from going broke at work. And in exchange, our supporters get bonus videos of our recordings, custom retro images to download and print, invitations to Zoom events with your hosts, and more. Patreon is our only source of income, and we thank you for helping us do this job we love. To learn more, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and put Pop Culture Preservation Society into the search bar. Thanks so much, and please enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. It's Carolyn. And yes, I sound a little different in the beginning of today's recording. We had a couple of technical difficulties, but they got straightened out after a few minutes, and we decided that you'd rather hear what I had to say than throw it all away on the cutting room floor. Thanks for your understanding, and please enjoy the show. I'll tell you about the carnival later. Better go, because Nick is hungry like the wolf. Oh my God. (laughs) Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and feed the world. Love, Roxanne. Hello, world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who know where to put the stamp on an envelope. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving that mode of communication that kept us connected to friends, family, and cute boys, the handwritten letter. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Is Gen X the last generation to consistently put pen or pencil to paper and communicate our thoughts to friends and family through letters and notes? Will any generation after us be able to look back at a box of letter keepsakes and get written snapshots of who they were and what their worlds were like? Will they have memories of the thrill of running to the mailbox and finding an envelope hand-addressed to them from a pen pal overseas or your best friend who had moved away? or the guy who would eventually become your husband. My heart hurts just a little as I realize we are most likely the last generation to have these experiences. And so in today's episode, we are going to share what made writing and receiving those letters and notes so special and so meaningful. We asked you, our listeners, to send us your stories and memories about letters and send them you did. This might have been the most responses we have ever received from a crowdsourcing request. It's a topic many of us have strong feelings about. And I have wanted to do this episode for a long time because letter writing is near and dear to my heart, as you'll hear throughout the episode. And I am so glad we are chatting about it today. It's interesting. I am so surprised by the response. I, I thought this was a worthy topic. I thought it might be one that flew under the radar. I was wrong. (laughs) I was really, really Mm -hmm. wrong. And I think to your point, Carolyn, today's kids have been robbed once again because there was no bigger thrill 
than going to the mailbox and seeing an envelope that was for you. Getting mail was something that was exciting. Mail right. is not exciting to our kids. No. They hardly know what to do with it. Well, it's not exciting to me anymore. Like, you it's know, not. going to the mailbox used to be, oh, my gosh, did the mail come yet? Right. And now it's like maybe two days before. I'm like, Andy, have you gotten the mail at all <laughs> recently? I don't want it. You don't have that anticipation of there could be this special letter in there that I'm waiting for because I wrote yeah. to my best friend and I'm hoping she wrote me back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to do with my stickers anymore. Yeah. I mean, you guys, I I wrote letters constantly, probably from the time I could write because mm-hmm. – Living away from family, and my dad in particular, it was a lot of money to call to catch right. up. And this is how we all stayed connected. Yeah. Right? There's a forever quality to letters that we don't have with anything digital. They're, they're, these are things that people kept. We're not going to keep texts. We're not going to keep emails. You might have emails buried in your thousands and thousands of emails that you forgot to delete, to delete. But that's not something that you can carry with you. And I have, I think our kids, so Liam is 21 years old. No, he's not going to write letters to anybody. That is lost. It is gone. But when he was a child, I think he had the last whisper of it. Mm -hmm. And I have something that I will keep forever. (laughs) And even though he is not Gen X, I have little letters that he dictated to his preschool teacher, Teacher Tina, in the yellow room. And would you like to hear one? From the last gas of letter writing ever. Yes. Dear Mama, I like you, and I love the stories you read, and I like the things you do, and kiss me, and I love you, and I still love you. Thank you for coming home, and I love you too much, and I will eat you all up. Love, Liam. Forever. Kristen, take that to the frame shop and get that frame. That's making my heart burst. Yes, that is... Oh my gosh, just so many of those lines. Like, thank you for coming home. That's kind I of know, where, where were you? I know, yes. Yes. Oh, that was that time, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, it's so true. Uh, Kristen, you just touched on this and it made me think, why is it that the three of us and listeners, so many of you sent us photos of the boxes, the shoe boxes, yeah. the drawers of letters. We kept them. We're going to talk in a little bit about, thank God we did, because they're time capsules. Our kids don't have that. It's tangible. We talk about this a lot in the podcast is that we've lost a lot of the tangible things, right? Mm -hmm. The tactile, you know, things we can touch and feel. And I would say maybe more than any of the things we've talked about, the magazines we wish we still had or whatever, it's the letters that are the most important and we saved them. And we didn't realize at the time, we didn't, I don't think, I don't remember making a conscious choice of I'm going to save these. So one day when I'm 54, I will look back. We saved them just simply because they were that important. That's right. Right. I didn't think that this was be, this would be archival. By any right, means. Right. And I was so grateful this week for the opportunity to dig through my things and yes. find all of these letters. The things I found, it was like watching a documentary of my life. Right. And in going through my letters, I learned a lot about myself as a kid, who I was. I don't have very many that I wrote. It's mostly letters that people wrote to me. And in these letters, people were so free with their feelings. These were confessional. Mm -hmm. They revealed our internal lives. We told each other how we felt about each other in ways that would never happen in a text, probably wouldn't even happen in person. 
I learned I was valued and people were very specific about what they liked about me. And I was so proud of little Kristen. She was a really good friend. She was a good listener. People multiple times talked about what a good listener I was. And I was like, oh, you are nice. Who knew at that point how much that was going to mean to you 40 some odd years later? I mean, that's just what's so powerful is the Mm -hmm. timelessness of these pieces of paper with handwriting on them from somebody that we Mm -hmm. cared about so deeply. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And you said, both of you have said already um, something about the confessions that, you know, we poured into the letters. And then Kristen, you talking about, you don't have many that you wrote. I unfortunately don't have, I might have two or three that I wrote. And I've asked these friends who I have kept all their letters, please tell me, do you have my letters? No, they don't. But, (laughs) but We can talk about letter writing also, you know, we can talk about staying connected, but it's also, it was such a form of therapy. And thank God I didn't send this one letter that I wrote um, that I still have. You guys, I wrote a letter to my friend Lisa, and you'll hear me talk about her in a minute, the day after my dad died. And I was um, probably 22, I'm not going to remember now exactly, and I didn't send it for a reason. I don't know why, Hmm. but... I'm kind of glad I didn't because I have that now and the thoughts and the feelings oh, I wow. can read yeah. the day after my dad oh died. My and, gosh. and so what did I do the day after my dad died, right? I'm having all these feelings. I picked up a pen, got out my little letter stationery, and I wrote to the person who I knew would understand probably oh the God. most. But at the end of the day, what did I do? I wrote a letter. Yeah. Yes. That was the first thing that I thought to do is write a letter to my friend Lisa. And um, it's a really, it's a really emotional letter for me to read. It's something I really, I'm glad I have. There were, for that reason, having something that, that you wrote on paper is so revealing about what happened in your life and what you were like and what you were thinking and feeling. And I have a stack of letters from one friend in junior high in particular that I found just recently. And because of that, because of how important it is to see who you were, I was like, I need to track her down and I need to send her these. And, um, so I did. I mean, it was probably 50 letters, 25 letters. Mm -hmm. It was hard, but I found her and, um, she said, yes, send them. I made photocopies of all of them because I wasn't letting them go. Mm-hmm. So I made photocopies and kept them and I sent her the originals. I never heard from her. Maybe it was too much. Maybe it was, was this revealing a time that was difficult for her? Even though she was writing to me about difficult things, it was coming at a time of turmoil. And I thought, maybe does it remind her of this time of turmoil? Maybe she doesn't want to see. Maybe she doesn't want to be reminded of this time. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt on that one. And you still might hear from her. It might be one of those things where she wants to write you back and it's so much she wants to say. I mean, that's what I think happens today for a lot of us is we have the intention, but then we go through all the thoughts of, oh, I have to have the paper and I have to have the time and I have so much I want to say because this was such a great thing this person did. And time, we we seem to think we don't have enough time. And if anything, by the end of this episode, I hope we realize that we have enough time and it is time well spent that will have ripple effects much beyond what you can imagine. It's not just, Oh, I'm going to send this letter and it's going to go to the person. I Mm -hmm. mean, that person is going to then have it. As we've talked about, you're going to 
reread it at times, share it with other people. It's worth it. It is worth it. And again, to emphasize your point, I think the time has been devalued. People, first of all, are busy and they've devalued this art, this act. And so then they say they can't find the time. This week, I received a letter from a friend. Just this week, oh my before gosh. recording this episode, from a friend, thank you, Paula, I just need to say out loud, she only lives a couple of miles away from me, but I don't see her that often. And in this letter, it's very newsy. She's filling me in on what's happening in her house. She's telling me about the successes of her children, but then she's also getting vulnerable and she's telling me about the struggles of, of what's going on in her house. When I was done reading this letter, I felt closer to her. In a way that I wouldn't, even if we were sitting side by side and her telling me those things, if we were getting caught up on the phone, I would not feel as close to her as I did after reading this Mm -hmm. handwritten letter from her. Right. Wow, that's so so important. Mm -hmm. It is. And I think there's probably some science behind it, but it's easier to be vulnerable sometimes in that uh, medium, handwriting a letter, because you don't have to anticipate this direct response. Like, let's say you and I are sitting over coffee and I say something, oh, this is happening at home and it's just bothering me. And then you immediately feel like you have to respond. And then it's different then. Um, This is uninterrupted thought, which goodness knows I need um, because I forget half the time what I'm going to say if somebody (laughs) interjects. So I think it's therapeutic on so many levels for the person that's writing it, the person that's reading it. Yeah. You get such a bang for your buck, you guys, with yeah. handwriting letters. Also, have you ever had something that you can't say out loud? Yes. Something that was so worrisome to you, bothersome to you, something that scared you, and you can't say the words. Yes. You can, But you can write it down. You know, yeah, you can share things in a letter that would have been really, really hard to say, if at all. Um, mm-hmm. For me, one of the most fun aspects of writing a letter is the stuff. The accessories. For sure. The stationery, the stickers, the pens, even stamps. Speaking of stamps, you know, our kids will never know what a book of stamps is because now we have those wonderful sticker stamps. Like they don't have to lick a stamp anymore. It's just. Or when it was on a spiral. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Roll it out. Everybody right now is going. Because our tongues are real sticky right now. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, there was such fun stationery and stuff when we were young. I don't know if you guys remember any of it, but I was really husker dude when some of our listeners shared some of their stationary sticker stories. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, our friend Jennifer asked if we remembered ink blot stickers, okay? These were from Hallmark, and they were these little kind of cranky-looking monsters, and <laughs> you would send them on maybe the outside of the envelope or the um, inside on the letter, and they were kind of shame-based, I've got to say, these um, these <laughs> oh. stickers. because well, hello, 1970s. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Because they would say, you would be sending this to maybe someone who hadn't written you back recently or you're waiting for a letter from them and so there were little quips like you gonna write or should I sell my mailbox (laughs) or or, you must have postal phobia dot 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 the fear of writing (laughs) oh my god wait what are these called I don't remember these they're called ink blot stickers and if you looked at them I think you would remember you might not remember that they were called that but it's this kind of like hairy 
weird looking okay. monster guy, kind okay. of yelling, like you imagine he's saying, <laughs> you gonna write or should I just sell my mailbox? Like you jerk. Uh, but they're kind of cute and fun. Yeah. And I've got to say, you guys, if you go on eBay and look up some of this stationery and note cards and mm-hmm. things that we had back in the 70s, my gosh, they go for a lot of money. They if do. you kept any of that stuff, like those inkblot stickers, oh, wow. you're gonna, you can make a pretty penny. Here's another one that I was who screwed with you guys. Our friend Marvel Ann on Instagram reminded me of Paper by the Pound. Do you guys remember oh Paper by God. the Pound? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's how I felt. Those acrylic kind of stands yes. with the colored paper, yeah. and then you could get the okay, envelopes. And, and you color too. coordinate. Yes. 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 You'd have oh like a pink paper yes. and an orange envelope. Yes. And oh. um, Marvel Ann actually ha- still has some, and she sent us a photo of her collection of Paper by the Pound. So oh, we can share that it. with our listeners in the Weekly Reader or on social oh, media. But that was one of those yeah whatever that sound I cannot make but you guys did so well with what about this one do you guys remember these one piece the one I have oh, happens yes. to be Susie Zoo it had a sticker and then yep. you just unfold the whole thing the whole like the paper folds into an envelope yes it's kind of yeah. like a postcard and a letter yes. at the same time and it came with stickers that you closed yes. it with. Yes. Speaking of stickers, oh my oh, gosh, yes. just the Mrs. Grossman's, I wanted to show you guys some. Do you remember all the little bears and then you could put the oh, ice, oh, ice cream right. you could build the stuff. Yes. And then just decorating with all the different things, right? The Mrs. Grossman's was a big deal. And we know that. We know that everybody listening loved Mrs. Grossman's as well. Because again, when we post Mrs. Grossman's on social media- People go crazy. People go crazy. I think you guys found this too when you went through your letters from this age. So you're a preteen, a teenager. The letters, almost 100% of the time, mention boys. And it makes me realize why I write about crushes. Because as much as people want to ignore the fact or pretend that this is not something that we should be focused on, the truth is, it was where we were living. We were living in this world of crushes. Our hearts were bursting all the time for the people that we were falling in love with because our letters are full of it, absolutely chock full of it. Oh, say not only did we decorate the outside of the envelopes, I just remember cutting out so much stuff and putting it in like maybe a Ziggy cartoon from like the comics on Sunday and putting that in Mm -hmm. or a photo of, you know, maybe it was my wallet school photo to a friend who had moved away um, or a magazine article, the clippings, the clippings. I have, I need to piggyback on your newspaper clippings, Carolyn, because I have some mail that I got that actually wasn't a handwritten letter. It was, they were all clippings. And these are from my friend Colleen. And I have one thing where she says, and she, but she comments on all of it. She writes on all of them. Um, The first thing that she has is a clipping from an advertisement for a production of Oliver that will be starring Davy Jones. And it's got a picture of Davy Jones. And then she writes on it. Kristen, Davy doesn't look so hot. (laughs) Then there's an article um, about a book called The One Hour Orgasm. And then there's hour. The One Hour Orgasm. Did she comment and then we would all be dead? (laughs) That's a long time. (laughs) Ouch. Um, And then she sends me a clipping of an article about a, a prisoner who escaped from prison and he escaped onto the roof and he was surrounded by police at the bottom, but he refused to come down until all the people could name all six of the Brady kids. Oh, wait, <laughs> is this true? <laughs> this is true. This is from the newspaper. And she's cutting it out and she's sending to me. And then I have no idea why. And I asked her about it just yesterday. Why did you send me this brochure from Miami Hialeah? 
<laughs> She's like, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh my God. Kristen, but what this is saying to me is that the letters and, and taking the time to do that, or Carolyn to cut out a Ziggy cartoon, or my friend, you know, Kristen and Lisa who covered it all with stickers and wrote little captions. This is time. This is thoughtful. This is I'm thinking of you. Yeah. This is you're worth my time. Right. Absolutely. And that, and I still learned about myself from her little notes and the things that she was sending me because it showed me that this person that I am today, a pop culture preservationist, she was already sending me things about the Brady Bunch and Davy Jones Uh and orgasms. Uh But still, (laughs) we were connecting. She, we were already connecting about our childhood pop culture. Thank you, Colleen. Yeah. And later, uh, later when we start sharing listeners about how these are time capsules, it was very telling to me what my friends knew would interest me and the type of people I surrounded myself with That's who right. liked yes. this type of stuff. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You know what else was super fun for me when I was going through all of these letters were the greetings, how we addressed each other. <laughs> it cracked me up. We rarely used our given names. God, Almost so never. There were code names. There were acronyms that I have absolutely no memory of. I don't know what they mean. There were expletives. There were derogatory terms that I would never say today. Um, FW, HB, one person called me Stin, um, Sis, (laughs) Rainbow. There was a feminized version of a horribly naughty word that I can't say out loud. And you'll love this one. Somebody called me Cribbistibbin. And oh, I remember wow. I got Husker Dude because I was like, oh, my God, it's Shabinibin. Shabinibin, <laughs> send me a letter to Kribistibin. And we would talk ubby dubby. And this was in high school. This is not when we were little. Yeah, it stuck <sighs> with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we would go to practice after school and talk ubby dubby. Okay, you're going to need to stop because you're going to start triggering Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dear Kribistibin. As long as the whole letter wasn't in. It was not. Okay. It was Thank just you. the greeting. It was the greeting and the sign-off. Dear Kribistibin, love, Shabinibin. Letters were such a part of our identity. I mean, we started doing it so early. Um, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I think my first foray into letter writing were those mother mandated thank you notes that I had to write mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. grandparents and family that <laughs> right. was out of town. But then also grandmothers, both of my grandmothers were out of town. And so my mom had me write letters to them with just kind of like what was happening in my day, yeah. a way to like practice my print handwriting. And I actually found a letter from my grandmother kind of answering oh. all the questions Aww. that I must have oh. asked her, like, you know, what are you reading right now? And she would tell me and, you know, mm-hmm. what she did that day. She went to the laundromat. Uh, And so those letters that we wrote to friends and family, for some of our listeners, those letters were so important. Those Uh relationships continued far beyond when they were young kids into um, high school, into college, and after. My grandma wrote to us religiously once Uh a week. My grandparents were also far away. Um, Like clockwork, we would get one letter from my grandma. Letter writing was her method of staying close to her family because long distance was expensive. So we got one letter a week and we got one five-minute phone call on Saturdays. And in every letter that she sent, she would put in one dollar for each member of the family. And we called them Grammy dollars. And so you'd be like, oh, I don't have lunch money. You'd go looking for Grammy's envelope. Like, where are the Grammy dollars? (laughs) I need lunch money. (laughs) 
That's so cute. I can picture it almost like that, like mad, like Monopoly money, like Grammy dollar, but like in the middle instead of George Washington, it's a grandma's face. Yeah, that's really cute. Well, my aunt, for me, it was my aunt. My aunt was 13 years older than my mom. And since my grandmother died when I was a baby, I always sort of just felt like my aunt fulfilled that role for me. And I was super close with her, you guys. I adored her. Um, And she lived in Texas. And when we moved away, I was around five. And it was heartbreaking for me. Like, And even when my aunt would come visit us when we lived far away, I would sob and cry so hard that I would like convulse. My aunt wrote me so many letters. And I was thinking about it, and it wasn't the content of her letters that was meaningful as much as it was her handwriting. Because my aunt had gorgeous cursive that was super identifiable to her. And seeing pages of that script to me was like, it was like an, it was an extension of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was tangible and it, I could hold on to it. Right. So it was so identifiable. And so those, those letters to me were, were truly pieces of her. When I see how she, the, her ends and everything, I see them on birthday cards or whatever, and I keep those. It's, it's so meaningful. And it's the handwriting. Even our friends, like looking at my friends' letters, I'm yeah. like, I remember how Lisa wrote. And Lisa, yeah. my friend Lisa was funny. Every letter, she would try a different handwriting. Sometimes they'd be in all caps. All yes. Sometimes yeah, they'd all be in cursive. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'd be, yeah, because this is like eighth, ninth grade, you know, so. Did you try and copy Nini's handwriting? Because I also had a favorite <laughs> aunt who had very distinctive handwriting, and she would write to me, and then the next letter I would write, I would try to copy Aww, her handwriting. That's so cute. Ultimate I don't compliment. remember doing that, but yeah. I just, mm-hmm. her ends are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that handwriting, and especially when you can recognize it, and you don't even have to read the letter or whatever the words are, just to see that handwriting, it's it's such a feeling of comfort and just mm-hmm. takes you right back and you know immediately who the person is. And for me, you realize they touched that piece of paper that you're holding. Like it Aww. was in their possession their DNA is on it. Let's, you know, yeah. all of that. It's like that much <laughs> right. of a part of who they were is now something that you have. And again, technology is not going to do that for us people. Oh, it's going to make me cry. There is a part in Worldwide Crush where she's writing a fan letter to Rory Calhoun and, and naively thinking that he might write back. And there's a moment where she thinks, oh my God, he's going to lick the envelope. <laughs> And then she will have his DNA. Yes. She will have his spit in her possession. <laughs> what, exactly what I would have yeah. it's, felt It's like. why I like to buy autographed copies of books from people like Andrew McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Every book he's written, I own an autographed copy. I look at that and I hold it and I just, it almost takes my breath away because I think that he helped us. His hand touched Blame. it. His skin yeah. cells could be on that That's page. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a cousin that lived very far away from me um, in a different region of the country. And I got lots of great letters from her that I went through this week. And because she lived in a different region of the country, it was like a different culture. And her letters were like missives from a foreign land. She went to boarding school. Her slang was completely different. Even the music she listened to was different. So getting a letter from her was so exciting. Even if she thought she was just writing the humdrum minutia of her life, her minutia was so different from mm-hmm. mine. But more importantly, these letters are hilarious, you guys. <laughs> we were so pubescent. It's so funny. Can I read you one? Please. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm changing all the names in my letters <laughs> except for one. You'll know which, which name I didn't um, change. It'll be quite obvious, but I couldn't change it. There was no way. So this is from June 1983. 
Dear Kristen, are you still alive? Right now it's 1040 and I'm staying up to watch Twilight Zone. Anyways, so do you still like Journey? I do. Their concert was so great. Brian Adams opened for them. He was really good and gorgeous. How's your love life? Mine's going pretty well. I've been going out with Rick for two months. Woo! She wrote that. (laughs) Woo! He's so nice and cute, gorgeous, whatever. A couple of weeks ago, though, there was a party and Rick couldn't go. So I figured, what the hell? I'll go for it with Arthur McGonagall. Well, by the end of the party, we were making out. Woo! Well, some jerks from my class said that they were going to tell Rick about Arthur. I got pissed. Oh, well, I still really like Rick, and this pen is running out of ink. You know what? Now that I think about it, you must think I'm some sort of sleaze. But actually, I'm not. I'm just sort of fickle. Oh, my God, they're playing Pink Floyd on the radio. How cool. I love Pink Floyd. This pen is dying. There. This is better. Love. Fill in the blank. And then she writes, WB. Which yeah. it took me right a long back. time to figure mm-hmm. out what WB is. That's right back. Mm-hmm. This is so funny because this is so similar to a lot of letters I want to talk about in a little bit. But the confessional, and, and I think you mentioned it already before, Carolyn, this was such a safe space. Letters mm-hmm. were such a space, safe space for those of us who lived far away from a cousin or a friend. And they could just pour. The, I have many letters who from people I will not name now. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that's a good idea. Now I yeah. want to adopt that. <laughs> Saying, yes, we're talking 10th grade, went to a party, kissed this person, whoops, but I'm dating this person, this person found out, now they're mad, and or hope this person doesn't find out, and I'm like, wow, I had moved away. I was the safe. You were safe. I was Dear Abby, basically. I was the confessional. Yeah. And we even have um, listeners who have told us about that. These letters are confessionals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love the story that um, our listener, Julie, shared. She also wrote letters to a cousin that didn't live um, close by, her cousin, Renee. And when they were kids, they started when they were kids, and they wrote all the way through their teen years. And Julie shared that their mothers, who were sisters, always wanted to read the letters when they came just to kind of see, oh, you know, what no, the, yeah, no, the no. other daughter was or their niece was going through or what she was doing. And that was fine, Julie said, when they were kids. But then, you know, when they got to be teenagers, preteens, exactly what we're saying, they wanted to share a lot more with each other that they never wanted their mothers to see. So they created this great workaround. They wrote two letters. And so one they would share with their mother, like, here's the letter from Renee, or here's the letter from Julie. And then there was the secret letter that was just between the two cousins. Oh, brilliant. I love this so much because the secret letter would be so fun to write, wouldn't it? Well, I'm just doing my needlepoint, and I just finished reading my Bible verses, and now I'm going to go do 15 15 sit-ups before bed. (laughs) I drank a liter of water. Yes, that would be Went so to a funny. party last night. They had Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. And then one other story I wanted to share that actually got me a little emotional. It comes from another follower named Julie. She shared that she wrote to her grandparents regularly from when she was a kid all the way through college. And one day in her 20s, she received a package from her grandfather, and it contained all the letters that she had ever written to her grandparents. And at the time, she said she was kind of offended that her grandfather didn't think these were important enough to keep or that he didn't want them. And so she put them in a drawer and just kind of forgot about them until we asked for people to share their letters and stories with us. So she decided to go and look for those letters. And here's what she has to say. I used to write to my grandparents 
And more than just the thank you notes, I would write them newsy little letters um, starting in about sixth grade and all the way through college. And one year when my, um, I was probably close to getting married, it's probably in my late 20s, my grandfather gave me all my letters back. And at the time I was, um, I was almost kind of a little bit offended by that. I don't know why. I thought, well, doesn't he want them anymore? Don't they mean anything to them? So I just threw them in a drawer and uh, never really thought about them again until I saw Carolyn's um, Instagram asking about letters. And so I decided to pull them out. Well, I have had the best afternoon reliving my high school and college and even early career years reading these letters and fights with my sisters and the time my mom dumped me on a bus to go to O'Hare to visit the, the, the pen pal friend. And it's just been amazing to relive all this. So I really do appreciate it. And it's and maybe someday my kids will read this, these letters too. But uh, it's just been really fun to, uh, to read them and uh, kind of relive high school. Talk to you soon. This is Julie. Bye-bye. See, that's exactly what we were talking about. He knew, he knew that she would want these letters to see who she was at this very important time of her life. It's so emotional. Mm -hmm. It is so emotional. And again, I don't know, serendipitous too, that it's our calling for stories from our listeners that prompted her to go look for this, um, these letters. I mean, that makes me feel kind of good that we were partly responsible for this moment that she had. And isn't that interesting that it took her, it, it took our call for letters for her to go and find those letters. And she went all that time with these letters in the drawer, not understanding how valuable they were. Right. So if you guys remember, writing letters was something that we learned how to do in school. That we learned how to format a letter, where to put the date, what kind of salutation to use. There was a significant amount of the school day devoted to learning how to communicate via letters, which, of course, is gone. And this was often something that you did around the holidays, Christmas, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. You'd make a card and you would write a note inside using the techniques that they taught us in school. I think my very first letter um, that I wrote by myself without any help was to my mom, I'm guessing it was probably Mother's Day, and it was written in first grade in Mrs. Morgan's class. And it's memorable because I signed it, Your Angel, Kristen, which was something that she often called me. But I spelled angel wrong. So I said angle. (laughs) And still, 50 years later, my mom will call me her little angle. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I love that. That is so Mama's little angle. Well, I found a letter that I wrote to my mother, too, when it had to be first grade or second grade. I don't know. But it's on that really wide, wide-ruled paper. and Like it's, school paper. Oh, definitely school yeah. paper. And it said, Dear Mom, our class had to write a letter. I've got good handwriting. The teacher did not yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> Love, Carolyn. <laughs> So I guess I've been getting oh, so in trouble. I feel like I feel like there's there's two things that could have been happening that day in Carolyn's little class. One, the teacher was yelling at everybody who was not using their best handwriting, and mm-hmm. Carolyn was like, "You know what, Mom? I used good handwriting, and I didn't get yelled at." Or Carolyn often got yelled at. Yeah, and, I think that was. Were this, you a talker, Carolyn? I was. I was okay. a talker. So I think at that time in my life, I had been getting some letters sent home with me from the teacher. Oh, oops. Um, yeah, that I had talked a lot. So 
I think this was my chance to say, and today, mom, yeah, I haven't gotten yelled at that much. (laughs) I remember practicing, again, because penmanship was something we did in school Mm -hmm. that they don't do anymore. And I remember being at a school meeting when Liam was like in fourth, fifth grade, and there were some parents that were questioning this. Like, why is it that our kids aren't being taught cursive? Why aren't you helping them with their penmanship? And one of the teachers, a male teacher, said, well, let's be honest. Does anyone ever use cursive anymore? And all the women in the audience raised their hands. <laughs> yeah. And he just was like, oh, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, but now I had to, in Worldwide Crush, there are diary entries that she makes, and the designer made those diary entries in cursive. And I had to get in contact with the designer and say, you can't use cursive. Kids can't read cursive. I know. And that broke my heart. And it broke her heart, too. Yeah. It broke her heart. She was like, what are you even saying? So school is also the place where a lot of us got our first pen pals. This might have been a classroom project spearheaded by your teacher because it's a great way to practice that penmanship in a way that was super exciting. And as we'll find out, for some people, that pen pal experience could be life-changing. For me, writing to a pen pal was a little weird because you were writing to a stranger mm-hmm. in hopes of making a friend. And so it was sort of like the letter writing process in reverse. And this comment from Instagram resonated with me. Jennifer says, I didn't know what topics to write about in my letters. And being in elementary school, I didn't have much exciting news to share. So I would do things like count out the change in my piggy bank and then write, I have $3.24. How much money do you have? She says, 40 years later, I'm still embarrassed about that. (laughs) Oh, I think it's darling. I love it. Oh, that's great. How much money do you have? But for some people, this pen pal experience totally worked, and they kept those pen pals for years. Lots of people in our comments on Instagram reminded us about the call for pen pals on The Big Blue Marble, which was a half-hour children's television program that aired on PBS from 1974 to 1983. And the show featured stories about children around the world, a.k.a. The Big Blue Marble. And it had a pen pal club that encouraged this cross-cultural coming together. That was sort of their deal, writing to people in other parts of the world. So this is part of what made pen pals such an exciting idea. You got to hear from people from another country. And starting in the second season, the Big Blue Marble ran a full commercial-length promo saying, write to this address and we will match you up with a pen pal. Dear pen pal, what could be more fun than getting to know other kids in other parts of the world? This is what happens when you decide to become a pen pal. Let me tell you about it. All you have to do is send your name, address, zip code, and age, tell us if you're a boy or a girl, what your interests are, and mail it to Dear Pen Pal, Box 4054, Santa Barbara, California, zip code 93103. We'll do the rest. We'll send you the names and addresses of boys and girls in other countries that you can write to. They've said they want to write to you. Once again, send your name, address, zip code, and age, and mail it to Dear Pen Pal, Box 4054, Santa Barbara, California, zip code 93103. Making friends is fun, and someday you may meet your pen pal in another country. Pen Pal letters can bring us all closer together. But be patient. It takes a long time for letters to go all around this big blue marble. 
And this worked. We heard from tons of people who got their pen pals this way. Mark said he wrote to multiple pen pals from all over the world by writing to the Big Blue Marble. And he said, I had one from Denmark, one from Ireland, and one from New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is another world. I was about to say. (laughs) And I can say that because I lived there, so. Marvel Ann also had multiple pen pals from all over the world, including one from England, whose address was literally Sherwood Forest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Isn't that great? And she would give Marvel Ann a heads up about the new wave bands that hadn't hit the U.S. yet. I would be all over that. And she remembers the opening of one of, this, one of the letters from this girl was, the Valentine's disco was crap. <laughs> <laughs> But here's a pen pal story that's really sad. This is from Carla. Oh, no. And she says, Big Blue Marble was my hookup. Sad story, though. The pen pal I got lived in Haiti. And by her third letter, she asked if her family could come live with us in Pennsylvania. And could we get jobs for her parents? I had no idea what to reply. My mom took charge and explained that we already had six people living in a tiny row home in in the coal region. So the answer was no. And she never wrote back. That's a tough position to be in when you're a a kid. kid? You're like, big blue marble. I just wanted like someone from Sherwood Forest. (laughs) Yes. Right? Oh, and and your heart would just break for that person and know that you had absolutely nothing that you could do to help. I'm telling you, though, she's never forgotten it. And it probably, as a child, you know, it did open her eyes to what people are going through in other parts of the world. Yes. A very very good point. That could Mm -hmm. be part of what the cross cultural. Um, experience is. It's not all happiness. There's stuff going on in other parts of the world that Mm -hmm. we didn't really understand because we had it pretty good in comparison. I know. Life lessons, right? Privilege, yeah. Hey, listeners, you know that feeling you get when you discover something amazing and all you want to do is tell everybody that you know about it? Well, that's exactly how I feel about Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed super easy and super fun. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you get to build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, they're unique, and they're recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. Those styles show up to you in as little as two days. And then when you're ready for some new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. And that's exactly what I did a couple of months ago when Andy and I took a trip to Hawaii. And of course, I wanted to have some fun, beachy, cute clothes. Armoire was perfect for that. I got the most amazing outfits that I got so many compliments on. And the best part was that when we got home, all I had to do was ship those items back and they didn't have to take up space in my closet unused for a year. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash PCPS. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash PCPS to get up to 50% off your first month. And you'll never have to worry about what to wear again. So try armoire today. Hey everybody, a quick message. Today's episode is brought to you by Book of the Month, a monthly book subscription box that helps readers discover new books from up-and-coming authors. 
The process of choosing your book is so easy and fun. Besides the website and app being really easy to navigate, the smaller but varied monthly selection, which always includes an anticipated new release, by the way, means I'm not overwhelmed with too many choices and it's truly easy to make a decision. And let's be real, we're all about simplicity right now, aren't we? Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> so you guys, I was thrilled when I saw that this month's selections included a book I have been anticipating for over a year. I chose The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren. It is rom-com at its finest. Think Pretty Woman meets Succession. Ooh. I chose Spitting Gold by Carmela Locus about two shady spirit mediums in 19th century Paris. I mean, come on. You <laughs> had me at shady spirit mediums, right? <laughs> this is a brand new hardcover book, and I'm getting it for less than I could get it anywhere else. And great news. You can get your first book for only $5 using the code PEDALS when you order at bookofthemonth.com. That's P-E-T-A-L-S. You guys, we love Book of the Month, and we know you will, too. Hey, everybody. Let's pause here for station identification. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Hormone Harmony, a name that has so much more meaning to us now at the perfectly ripe ages of 55, 56, and 58. Longtime listeners know that the three of us are no strangers to hot flashes, night sweats, sleeplessness, and the occasional menopause moment, known more scientifically as menopause-related brain fog. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens that help the body adapt to stressors, including the chaotic hormonal shifts that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony has over 17,000 reviews online, and what you'll see them say over and over again is that they finally feel like themselves again. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code PCPS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use PCPS for 15% off today. Thanks so much to Hormone Harmony and thanks to you for listening today. Um, so here's a place but a lot of people got pen pals that I I was kind of clueless about. So have you seen, Brian said, I used to read this hockey magazine that had a section of pen pals. This is a source I did not know about, magazines. So Nikki said she got her pen pal from Teen Magazine. She taped two quarters to a form, and then she wrote in her address and birthday and then sent it to Teen, and they sent you a person to write to who was your supposed Zodiac match. <laughs> oh, And very Nikki shabby. and her Zodiac match are still in touch today on Facebook, 40 years later. I love those stories. Isn't oh. that great? Yes. The Zodiac. And I would have been so much into that. Pisces. Yes. Everybody Pisces. So, but this one blew my mind. I did not remember this. Apparently, another common place that people could find pen pals was in the pages of Tiger Beat magazine. <laughs> Tiger Beat actually published a list of names and addresses oh of gosh. people who wanted to be pen pals in oh. the magazine. Yes. People's people's addresses. And you could mention in your listing what your interests were. So you could match yourself up with someone who had the same crush as you. So Tanya commented on Instagram that she is still in touch with the Tiger Beat pen pal that she was matched with because they both liked Michael Damien. <laughs> that's her Michael Damien. That's just the, that's the best. And then T.L. Squire says, this is from Instagram, I sent my name and address to Star Hits magazine and all I said was, I love John Taylor. The issue came out and I went on vacation with my dad, came home to my mom's a week later and she said, what did you do? <laughs> I had two grocery bags full of letters. I think I got over 500. 
She couldn't, of course, read all of those letters, but she did end up corresponding with about 10 of those people regularly, all because they love John Taylor. Oh, I love my that. gosh. Isn't that amazing? Such yes. a, so amazing. I cannot believe I never did this. To correspond with someone who was also ripping the Bee Gees posters out of Tiger Beat and putting them on their walls like me, I, I, I can't believe I missed out on this opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I don't recall that either. And again, to, especially to correspond with someone who loved Jimmy McNichol, which I think that was a smaller, I wasn't going to get 500 <laughs> letters and two bags full of people. But, uh, but yeah, to have that to just talk about with somebody who got it. Yeah. yeah, would be mm-hmm. immediately. Yes, it's only words, and words are all I have to take your heart away. It's only words, and words are all I have to take your heart away. Without technology, the only way we really had to keep in touch with friends when we weren't in close proximity was either through letters or phone calls, which we've already said, so expensive. Mm -hmm. So really, writing letters was the best way to stay in touch. So whether you were separated from friends during the summer or maybe someone had moved, handwritten letters are really the things that kept us up to date on all the scoop, on the boys, on everyday life, on people's thoughts and hopes and dreams. And I remember summer was a big time for me to write letters to friends because I had a lot of friends who um, went to their grandparents. Their parents worked, and so it was like, go to Florida and stay with your grandparents for the summer. I had one friend who would go to Florida every summer, and I've got a stack of her letters. Um, I'm not going to read them all, but one, I've got to tell you, she was so clever. It starts with this. She said, um, I know I just wrote you, but I'm, and I mailed that letter yesterday. But the most exciting thing in the world happened yesterday night. When this happened, my heart was beating so fast, it must have broken a record. (laughs) And then she goes on to detail the story. She doesn't tell me what the exciting thing is until like the very last line of this. Tricky. She talks about how she's at River Country. And if you know River Country, it's at Disney World. It was one of the water parks. Yeah. And she was going down the slides and everything. And as she was passing this one person, she thought, I think I know that person. But she kept going. She went down the slide, and this person was going down the slide next to her. Kelly got to the bottom, and her bathing suit fell off. (gasps) Oh, my God. She was traumatized because did this person see her? Meanwhile, I don't know who this person is. She's, like, leaving me until the very – Yes. And she said – she fell on him by accident. Oh, my gosh. How traumatizing was this? (laughs) So I said, I'm sorry. And he said, that's okay. And then she goes on, honestly, till two more pages yeah. until I get to Michael basically, Damien. Um, <laughs> I won't say the real name because obviously oh um, she would be embarrassed. But she said, he came up to me and said, hi, I think I know you. I think you go to my school. And, and he said, oh see, God. I even have the shorts on. And he showed me his Bishop Eustace shorts. <laughs> and he said, um, are you just here with your family? And I said, yes, are you? And he said, yes, I'm staying at the Days Inn. (laughs) And she said, I'm staying at the campground. Then he said, oh, I better go find my family. They'll leave without me. And I said, okay. And then he said, see you later. And I said, bye. Wasn't that exciting? I love the dialogue. I know. know. 
do you know who it was? And then she, in all caps, exclamation, exclamation, tells me the name. Friends always. And then P.S. Father Guido. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did tell you how Father, Father Guido wore the Speedo. Father yes, Speedo. Father, yes. Father Speedo. Speedo. Um, and she said, after he said, I know you, she, she had to say, yeah, I thought that was you, but I just wasn't sure. Of course. Yeah. And then I got the classic P.S.S. Sorry, so sloppy. You guys, oh, I found so that in so many letters. We were busy sorry, apologizing so when Already. we were little girls. Yep. Sorry, I mean, so that's sloppy. just, yes. And she also wanted me to know, God's my witness. Swear to God that all of this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Which means it's not true. Hashtag, hashtag, bis- hashtag Bishop Eustace student. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry. It was just so funny to this detail of every like mm-hmm. word they said to each other. And then I she said kept hi. me guessing. So I had to keep yes, reading hi. to find and out. That is who on was. purpose. She wanted to blow your mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good oh, for I'm, her. I, I mean know. that's some that's some creative expression I right just, there. I loved that. Well, these summer letters often, because it's a time of separation, you're separated from somebody who is usually in your world and you miss them. And so the summer letters can really have some longing in them. You can really miss them. And one of the main sources of letters in the summer were the letters that we wrote home from camp or the letters that you got from your family while you were in camp. Some kids didn't want to be at camp. So they're (laughs) right. Their longing is like, come get me. Please come get me. I know parents who got those letters and they had to decide, no, we're not coming. Mm -hmm. And you also had to wait for your parent to write the letter and send it back saying, no, No. we're not coming. (laughs) It's not in a text. No, you're nope. staying. Yeah. Um, I got one letter. I got one letter from my mom in which she sent a few sticks of fruit stripe gum, and it was confiscated before oh, the yes. letter even made it to my cabin. The oh. letter, was, it was opened and everything, <gasps> like prison. And I felt, what? I felt so sad. There was such a sadness about that. I felt violated that they opened my my letter and they took my gum. I mostly felt sad because... My mom did this super nice thing, yeah. and they confiscated it like she was a criminal. <laughs> it made she's me sending you so cigarettes bad. and a razor blade. I know, right? right? <laughs> but sometimes the writing of the letter, sometimes that was required in camp. Oh, okay, yeah. we're all going back to our cabin now, and we're going to write letters home. And my mom saved one of those letters. It's Aww. the only letter that I have written by me. Here it is on my stationery. See the little horse in oh, the corner? Yes. There's a yes. little horsey in the corner. Um, and this is from... July of 1977, Camp Chiwen, Chisago City, Minnesota, which I would have told you was across the border in Canada, like somewhere near the Yukon. (laughs) Right. But it turns out it was less than an hour from my house. (laughs) And I wrote, Dear D, M, E, J, and Animals. So that's Dad, Mom, Eric, Jenny, and Animals. Catherine and I just had a silly fight. She put my swimsuit on the ground, my towel too, and said, Hey, somebody threw it on the ground. So I went out and hung it up, and I threw hers on down. And this went on for about 15 minutes, and I have gone horseback riding. Oh, <laughs> that's all together. Yes. I went to church, which I hadn't planned. It was the camp church. There were only about 10 people there, and it was only 10 minutes. The following year, I didn't go to church, and when my parents asked why, I told them it was because I forgot which religion I was. Solid answer. <laughs> right? I thought that was pretty good. Yes. I suddenly realized that I had agency in this situation. I don't have to go to church if I don't yeah. want to. I just forgot what religion I was. <laughs> so there were also letters 
to the people you met at camp, your camp mm. friends who would become your pen pals. Then. Oh, yeah. And camp is one of those very intense experiences where you bond with people really quickly. So you could spend one week with someone and you feel like they're your best friend, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where these letters would get very intense. And the same could be said for camp counselors. That intensity was felt not just by the campers, but also by the counselors who were having their own camp experience. And I have a letter from a friend literally as we were separating after a long summer of being camp counselors together, side by side, seven days a week for the whole summer. So this is from August of 1987. And it's clear this was written on the plane after leaving each other at the gate saying goodbye. Dear Stin. <laughs> really working I'm going to start calling. Well, let's Carolyn, yeah, let's start calling her Stin. Stin. It's, it's just not very it's I don't like it. Stin. <laughs> Dear Stin. I didn't think I would have anything to write about yet, but there are already things to tell you. First off, I almost bawled when I got on the plane. I could not keep from crying. If I would have been at home alone, I would have had one of those throw yourself on the bed and cry till you're exhausted cries. Munchkin, you made me a wimp. I'm listening to Depeche Mode right now, and it reminds me of you. I'm not trying to be mushy, but you were my constant, beloved companion for several weeks, and now I'm alone. It's just me and my scrambled egg brains. I also figured out why I miss you so much. I'm looking out the window right now and the clouds are really cool looking. I won't even try to describe it. I miss you because I could turn to you and say, Kristen, look, and you would. And then we'd start a conversation about Lord or Buddha or Allah knows what and end up talking about sex in a Southern accent. The most congenial person in the world is Kristen. How about this? A two-page letter and we've only been apart for two hours. And then after she lands, she writes... I tried to call John, but he wasn't home. At that point, I thought, Kristen would say this is a sign. I've adopted a let's wait and see attitude, and I won't be waiting around. I miss you. Love to you and your family. Oh, I love that. That's longing. Reading that again made me feel that that longing. I yeah. had the longing for yeah. that experience that we had together because I was I was remembering the things that we did, but I had forgotten the closeness that we mm-hmm. felt. And mm-hmm. reading that letter helped me ex- re-experience the closeness that we had. And hear those things about you that she admired and loved, you know, how you would listen. I mean, that yes. sentence right there, that just... And, you know what? That's the Kristen that we know. I mean, Aww. the congeniality and all those things that she mentioned, you are that person. And just to read someone else having experienced that and you weren't asking, like, what are all the things you like about me? I mean, yeah. she was just <laughs> right. offering that and why she was missing you so much. I just, that's so sweet. And again, something she probably would not have said in person. Right. Mm-hmm. She would not have said, and I'm consistent because that last part of the letter where she said, Kristen would say, this is a sign. Yeah, and like, that's Stop the other knocking part. on the door. <laughs> Stop right. chasing him. This is a sign. Yeah. That's something I would say right now. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to know you're, uh, you've always been you, Kristen. Isn't that nice? It yes. was. It was very validating to, to read stuff like that again. touched on this a little bit, and I know that for the three of us, and I know that for many, many of you listening, the letters that you've saved or the letters that might be, I would argue, even the most meaningful are the ones that you wrote 
and that you received from friends after you had a move, especially after you had a hard move. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this box here, and this is one of a few boxes I have that's wow. just like a shoe box, just full of letters. These letters in this box right here, these letters saved me. Oh. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. When I moved away from Washington the summer between ninth and 10th grade, as you've heard me say many times on this podcast, I was gutted. I mean, traumatic with a capital T. Like, honestly, it's still something I work on in therapy. Um, So as you can imagine, getting these letters pretty much weekly from my two best friends, Kristen and Lisa, and writing back to them weekly, it was everything to me. Going back and reading all these letters, they're not full of like monumental life events, except for the whole, a lot of the boy stuff at the time was very monumental, but they're truly just gossip. They're mostly written in class. They're just gossip about all the teachers and the people that I had left behind, full of inside jokes that we had. And you would think that all hearing all of that after I was so lonely and I was so devastated would make me really sad, but these are the things that kept me connected. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and keeping you feeling valued too. Yeah, they hadn't forgotten about you too. Right, exactly. Because another thing that was so meaningful to me about these all these letters that I've kept is that many of the people who wrote to me, I was not best friends forever with. <laughs> I was still friends with. Um, but like, don't forget, you guys, I m- moved away from a ninth grade class of not even 100 kids. Mm-hmm. And I moved into a humongous high school. And during a supremely difficult and lonely time as a new girl in this enormous school, these letters reminded me, yeah, that I still mattered. And I was still seen to my old friends months after I left. It reminded me that I still belonged somewhere because I was feeling very isolated and very alone in this new school. Even reading them now as a 54-year-old, I was like really validated. Like, uh, they did still miss me or like, they, I didn't just disappear. Right. You can still take that to your therapist today, and, mm-hmm. and that's something that you can work on. And mm-hmm. think about it. This is in a time before therapy. This was your therapy because we didn't – children didn't have therapists back then unless they re- – you know, something really tragic had happened. And my, our parents were not thinking that moving was tragic. It was. It was tragic. <sighs> yes. But no one was going to get a therapist for their child because they moved. Mm-hmm. Now we would do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just have them – but Get letters, <laughs> you know, like, well, well, think about this, you guys. It's what we t- touched on at the beginning of this episode for kids today who have the, the trauma of moving between ninth and 10th grade or in the middle of your eighth grade year or whatever is no different, right? That's right. And, and they're going to still be connected via text mm-hmm. for their old friends, but it's not, I just, I will always argue that's not the same as getting <sighs> a letter because I'm guarantee, I guarantee you that if you move from Washington to Scottsdale, Arizona right now, and you're getting texts every day from your old friends, they are not pouring out their hearts or they're not as long and as detailed as these letters that I received were. Absolutely. A longtime listener friend named Erica, who called into our voicemail on our website and left a very similar story to mine. Erica moved midway through eighth grade. Oh, our hearts are breaking. And it was a it was a culture shock because she moved from Boston to Atlanta. She said it was devastating. But she said you know, when you're eighth and a ninth grade, you're not just getting, and this is what we've just talked about. You're getting, not just getting small, what's your favorite movie? You're getting seven and eight, nine page letters from friends and boyfriends pouring their hearts out. And Erica said, letter writing carried me through. And I love this, Erica. She said it bridged this gap. It bridged that gap between there and here. 
right? She said, there's some serious confessions going on in all these letters because (laughs) listeners, if you subscribe to our weekly reader, which is super easy to do, just go to our website at poppreservationists.com, or there's a link to subscribe in our link tree in our Instagram um, bio. Subscribe to our weekly reader because this week we're going to have a video that Erica sent us. You guys up, I think it's in her attic. She has one of those. This is also so very 80s. Those wire baskets that are like grid, you know, has like mm-hmm. a four drawer mm-hmm. basket. You will not believe the amount of letters Erica a, still a has. A tower of drawers. A yes. tower yeah. of mm-hmm. drawers. And when she's rifling through them, she goes, there's some serious confessions going on yeah. in these letters. Um, Erica, you have way more letters than I do. Um, but like me, Erica says, these letters saved her yeah. after she moved. I know that can sound dramatic, and I just but it's I don't absolutely think it true. Is. We're we're fragile when we're that age, and people make fun of teenagers for being dramatic. That's we're fragile, right? Mm-hmm. Just, we just are because we're dealing with big feelings for the first time, and we don't have any experience with dealing with such big feelings. So we're just figuring it mm-hmm. out, man. So the woman that I spoke about in the beginning where I photocopied all of her letters and sent them to her, and I haven't heard from her back, we wrote tons of letters back and forth. Because she had moved away. And this, I want to share with you the first letter that she wrote after moving away. Because I was supposed to go say goodbye to her. And I couldn't make it. I couldn't. And she left without saying goodbye to me. And it was something that just ate away at me. Um, And this first letter that she wrote me, it's written on paper plates. Because it was the only thing that she could find that was unpacked. That she could write on. (laughs) And I think this letter just really captures the moment that she moved, the exact moment, something that could really only be captured in a letter or a diary. It would never be conveyed in a text or even a video because in a video, let's face it, our videos are really sort of sanitized for social media. You're not revealing your feelings for in a video generally. It's not a confessional. Here is what she writes on her paper plate. Dear FW, which... I think might be Funky Woman. I'm not sure. Oh. It might be Funky Woman. And sense. oh my God, I forgot about this first line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this first line. It is not appropriate. And I just need people to know that I am 100% sure that this woman would not say this today. But I am going to say it <laughs> as a testament to what we thought was okay in times previous. Okay? Yeah. okay. Disclaimer. Dear FW, possibly Funky Woman, how is California? I bet you're tanner than Michael Jackson's behind. (laughs) (laughs) It sure was hard to actually drive out of my driveway. I'm glad you weren't there. Mm -hmm. I cried all the way out of Anoka. It hit me that I'm actually on my way when we cross the bridge into Champlin. I feel like I'm just visiting someone and we're hanging out in their house for a while. And it's weird. But Purple Rain is here. Can you believe it? I'm going to see it this week. I saw a real cute guy at the mall yesterday. We kept making eyes at each other. Thank you for the picture. I heart it. Now when my hopefully new friends see it in my locker, they'll say, God, is that what all girls in Minneapolis look like? So pretty. I wish I had that much cleavage. Oh. I'll send you one of I'll send you one of HB soon. H, HB is her. I'm thinking maybe hot babe. I don't know. I miss you so much already. And then she has to go to marching band practice. And she comes back and tells me she keeps going in her letter about the first day of school. And it's a very detailed documentation of her first day of school as the new girl. Oh, and it's God. almost, it's not what you think. It will, it's, it's almost, honestly, I wonder if it's true. Like, could it be <laughs> okay. compensation? Well, there's it that could be too. compensation. Um, 
It's like a Netflix movie for teens. It is 100% mm. filled with commentary about the cute guys in her classes and at marching band practice and who she's flirting with on the first day and how she sat with the whole football team at lunch and they called her darling Nikki. Someone oh, asked her goodness. For, yep, mm-hmm. We all know what that means. Right. Someone asked her for her phone number on her first day. She gets asked out on a date on her first day. It's like she's writing a teen fantasy novel and by the end of the week, her first week, she has three guys fighting over her and she is voted onto the student council. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. So funny. Well, right? <laughs> Just I remember reading this and and I actually I was a little bit jealous or envious that I she wonder was if that so was, comfortable. But that could have been the, this is her overcompensating Maybe. for, mm-hmm. you know, she has to project this, that this is the way that this is happening. Yeah, look at Carolyn. Mm-hmm. She's raising her hand. Well, only because I may have written letters like that too. <gasps> oh, oh Carolyn, not, not to yes, that this extent. This is good information. Not this to is important. that extent. Yeah. But yeah, I think I probably told some untruths in some of my letters to make me Mm -hmm. sound like, you know, maybe I was more popular than I was, or there were more guys paying attention to me. There was no fact check because they lived far away. That's right. You know, and it was kind of all these people I thought, oh, I wanted to be or I should be, but I could be in these letters because no one was going to fact check me. It's almost a form of manifesting. It's a little bit of making yourself feel better. It's a way to start changing your identity. I felt a little green because I never would have been that comfortable as the new girl. I would have been hiding in a corner. No one would have known my name. That was me. And on her first day, she was known as the new girl from Minneapolis and everybody wanted a piece of her. And I'm I don't want to I don't want to say that she's not telling the truth here. I want to I want to trust that she her words were correct, but I also want to acknowledge that it was a thing that people did exactly. as a form as a form of their own therapy. Exactly. That that was that that was possible. Mm-hmm. It's I self-preservation. Never, um, it's, it's self-preservation. It's, yeah. Absolutely. What we need to remember too is if we ever had a friend who moved away, now I'm thinking of the content of these letters, especially from Lisa, who is like, oh my God, I miss you so much. They saved them too. We have to sometimes forget. Yeah. And also as the person who moved away, it kind of weirdly made us feel better. Like they still miss us. Like absolutely. we mattered oh, sure. to them too. Don't you forget about me. Well, you guys, I have a very special treat for you and longtime listeners. Now you're going to know this is proof that I have not been lying. You've heard me say many times that my friends and I, who were obsessed seventh and eighth and ninth grade with Duran Duran, we pretended we were Duran Duran wives and we wrote letters and notes in class to each other as Duran Duran wives. Well, I came across (laughs) just this letter, solid gold is what it is, because it's from Roxanne Rhodes. That's my friend Kristen, <laughs> who is getting a lot of getting a lot of airtime in this episode, Kristen. Um, and it's from for some reason written to Michelle Laban. So maybe I was just Michelle, and I think I was now because it was a French name. So I think I kept my oh, name, because, Michelle. So Roxanne is is her. Um, she's Roxanne name. Rhodes. Yeah, she's married to Nick. She was Nick yeah. Rhodes's wife. Now. <laughs> The whole thing, if I could show you guys another one of my many letters from Kristen, you will know that this is not her handwriting, okay? This is Roxanne Rhodes' handwriting. And this entire letter is written in character. And this is exactly what we did. And while I don't often have those notes to share with you guys, I'm just going to give you a little taste of what they were like. Because I got this. This is from 28 December 1984. Dearest Michelle Laban. Tell Simon, hello, A-L-O-E, hello. (laughs) 
And I have good news for both of you. Yesterday morning, on her way to the Buckinghamshire Modeling Agency, Simon's ex, Claire Stansfield, that's really her name, if you guys remember. I've said that in an episode before, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Simon's ex, Claire Stansfield, was assassinated by her pimp because he found out (laughs) that she was a transvestite. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Few mourned, many rejoiced. (laughs) Well, anyway, how was your Christmas? Simon got you a Rolls Royce, eh? Life must be rough. Yeah, E-H. A, life must be rough. Nick and I decided to take it easy this Christmas. We just stayed home and had strawberries and champagne and exchanged gifts. We bought each other 145 carat gold rings with six set diamonds with inscriptions. His parents sent us tickets to the Broadway play Le Bon and Le Duran, Le de France. (laughs) So when's your baby due? Have you picked a name? Have you picked a name? When Nikki James was born, we had to pick his we had to pick his name on the spur of the moment because we didn't have one. Andrea Nicole was named when we brought her home because she looked so much like Andy and Nick. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> you guys know Andy is another one of the members of yes. Duran Duran, mm-hmm. right? Uh-oh. Green eyes, dark hair, pug nose, and big lips. At least she has Nick's eyes and lips. Okay, this is my favorite part. I just want to see if you guys know what she's referring to. You will. Also, disclaimer, guys, this is this is very 1984, and it's based on a 1984 very popular album. So, we went to Ethiopia last week. I never realized that while I was having fun, there was a world outside my window, a world of dread and fear. The world outside my window. Their families are so famine infested. Well, looks like the night boat has arrived with my favorite wild boy. Duran Duran fans are going to get all this. Here we go. So I better be running wild to catch up with La Luna. I promise I won't have careless memories. Just something on my mind. I'll tell you about the carnival later. Better go because Nick is hungry like the wolf. Oh, my God. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And feed the world. (laughs) Love, Roxanne. Isn't that great? You guys? Oh my God, that, <laughs> that is hilarious. That is. It tickled amazing. me so much. I loved it. Yeah. So, if that is not a time capsule for me, I don't know what is, but right. I want to say that something I know none of us thought about all of those decades ago when we were tucking these letters and notes into shoeboxes is that these letters are such time capsules. 100%. I want to share, first of all, just a few examples I came across. Are you watching The Thornbirds? Maybe I already (laughs) asked you that in the last letter. Anyway, that show just kills me. It's so sad. From Lisa. Um, Right now I'm watching Days of Our Lives. It's so sad. Kimberly is telling Shane she doesn't love him, but really she does. But she has to say she doesn't to to protect him from Mr. Kariakis. He's a jerk off. Like, you almost care. It's so sad, though. I'll tell you what I'm wearing. It looks dumb. You're going to die. I'm wearing the (laughs) Levi's that I wore to the Duran Duran concert. Then I'm wearing Kristen's plain black t-shirt under my white Forenza sweater with this black and gray weaved-like sweater jacket thing. If you can imagine that exclamation point. But I love how it's documenting. Like you said, it's a time capsule. You could make a list of all of the things, both in the things that you just read. And now I think in all of my letters, there are cultural references. There, Purple Rain is here. They're calling me yes, Darling yes, Nikki. Right? Pink Floyd is on the radio. I saw Journey. Do you still like Journey? In every single one, we're talking about the things that are happening around us. And it is. Right. It's like, it's, it's a timestamp.
a letters that we got from people when we were in high school after we moved, but there's another time when pretty much everybody moves, when high school is over. Some of us went to college. Some of us stayed home while our friends went to college. Some of us moved out on our own and started adulting right away. Graduating from high school is a time of massive migration and separation, and letter writing becomes more important than ever because, again, long distance was expensive. Well, you guys, this was also a time, at least in my life, that my parents wrote letters to me. Some of those letters meant so much to me now. They didn't mean as much to me then, but when mm-hmm. my dad wrote to me, and it would be on like office letterhead on Texaco stationery, and it would be a very basic letter, like, oh, I just had a meeting about quality issues and going to have a conference call at whatever, and mom and I have bowling tonight, and she's hopefully going to use the new ball <laughs> I got her for Christmas. So very like everyday stuff. And he'd always always include like a $5 bill. And I think I'm so grateful, one, that I saved those letters because I'm pretty sure at the time I just probably glanced at the words and grabbed that $5 bill and ran and got a margarita. So (laughs) Long Island iced tea. (laughs) Yeah, Long Island iced tea. Uh, So to have those now and my dad had such distinguishable Mm -hmm. handwriting, ineligible, but distinguishable. So you (laughs) could, I would recognize that in a heartbeat anywhere. And so going through these letters, when I came across that one, it was just like my heart stopped just seeing the writing. I didn't know what the word said or anything. It was just seeing that handwriting. And my dad didn't write that much. So there are not a whole lot of instances where I have a chance to save his writing. So I am so grateful that for whatever reason, at least this letter I saved because honestly, it was probably the money. And then I'm glad I didn't chuck it in the trash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, and it's like I said earlier. I mean, that's one of the things that's lost now with um, with without people writing letters anymore is the meaning of the handwriting. And like, right. I wish I don't mm-hmm. have any letters that my dad wrote me, uh, or at least I haven't come across them. If I do, but I do have my old little autograph book. Remember when we all carried oh, little yeah. autograph books and we folded all the pages yeah. in? And you know, he wrote a page for me, and and so I do have an example, a sample of his handwriting. And handwriting, you it you can't minimize the importance of it. Um, and we don't often have any more samples of handwriting at our ready because we Kids don't write. barely have a, a signature. I also got letters from my dad on occasion in college. It's very similar to what you're saying, Carolyn, because he also had extremely distinctive handwriting. And at the time, I didn't think much of it except for the fact that Dads don't often do the letter writing. Right. The moms do the letter writing. So just for all of you dads out there who are listening, just know when something arrives from the dad, you you perk up a little bit like, oh, like this could be elusive. This could. And I did. I kept I kept them all. Just like you said, I'm not sure that I took it to heart at the moment, but I did save it because it was elusive. God, right? I mean, that's the thing when, you know, my dad has passed on. So it's that much more meaningful. I'm never going to get a handwritten anything from him again. Ever again. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, a a moment in time. And again, he held it. He, you know, just wrote this everyday kind of life mm-hmm. that he had. And it's just, it means a lot. And I'm so glad that I saved it. You have a little piece of him. Yes. No matter how mundane it was, you have a little piece of his mundane life in your hand. Okay, there's one topic, you guys, that we have not yet talked about, and that is love letters. The amount of information we got from people about love letters, the love letters that the three of us found, I think it would be egregious to not talk about love letters in this episode. 
But we've run out of time. There's no time. Apparently, this topic was just much bigger than we thought it was. But you will get an opportunity to hear our conversation about love letters if you are a Patreon supporter. We just had to scoop it out of this episode, and it will be sent out to all of our Patreon supporters. There's lots of juicy stuff in there if you want to hear it. Until the day I do love, P.S. I love you. guys, this is an important conversation that we're having today because let's not forget, this is how history is written in letters and diaries. Without them, we have no history books, which means personally, these letters are our own personal documentaries of who we were and what was happening in our lives at various times. And the reason this is relevant to Gen X pop culture is because letters are now a generational thing. They no longer exist for the newest generations. This is a practice that ended with the advent of email and texting. How will history be recorded? You guys, I'm freaking out. Mm -hmm. Where will the primary sources be? That's right. And don't say video because it's not the same because of what we just said. Video is sanitized for social media. Right. It's we, all digital. It's not analog. Yes. We need, we need the, well, you know what I mean? We need the handwriting. We need the, we need the handwriting. We need, to hold we need the on confessions. To those things. We yeah. need the truthfulness that came with being one-to-one with that piece of paper, knowing that it was going to the singular person. It wasn't going to be broadcast to the world. I totally agree. But even more important is how letter writing created, nurtured, and deepened our relationships. We said things in letters we could never say in person, things that helped us grow closer to the people we cared about, things that would never fit in a text message. The response that we got to this topic, like Carolyn said, was overwhelming, surprisingly so. We had no idea how strongly people felt about the letters they sent and received over their lifetimes. And so we're not going to end it here. Next week, we will be back with a woman who felt just as strongly about letters as you all do, and she decided to do something about it. And she wrote a letter to every single one of her 580 Facebook friends handwritten letter, you guys, and her name is Amy Wineland Daughters. And you guys met her back in a bonus episode we did in June of 2021, when we invited her on to talk about her first book called You Cannot Mess This Up, A True Story That Never Happened, which is a novel about a woman who goes back in time and meets her 10-year-old self in 1978. Now she's back with her second book, Dear Dana, That Time I Went Crazy and Wrote All 580 of My Facebook Friends a Handwritten Letter. Best title ever. I know. (laughs) It's an experience that changed her life, and she has some very profound things to say about what letter writing did for us growing up and what it can still Mm -hmm. do for us going forward. You know, you guys, how we always say at the open of our podcast, today we're saving, and today we're saving whatever. Mm -hmm. I think today we probably mean it more than ever. Oh right? my God, you're and, so And I right. think if you listen yes. next week and you listen to our conversation with Amy, you will want to go find some cute stationery and you will yeah. want to save the art of letter writing. I know Agreed. I do. Yes, for sure. We want to thank those of you who left voicemails on our website telling us um, your letter writing stories and how um, meaningful letter writing was to you. Yes, and they're great to hear you all share your stories in your own words. Uh, it, there's yeah. nothing like it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're so fun. So take a letter, Maria. Address it to my wife. Say I won't be coming home. Yeah, that's not a new life. 
Um, and today's episode was brought to you by Hallmark, Mrs. Grossman's. <laughs> no, it was brought to you by Julie, Angie, Melissa, Heather, Helene, Teresa, Liz, Emily, Melanie, Jill, Diane, Colette, Kelly, Sharon, Barbara, Charles, Courtney, and Allie. Those are just a few of our patrons and people who made one-time donations on our PayPal site. We are so grateful for you all. It really does help us keep on trucking. So if you're not already a patron, we promise you get lots of fun perks. So go visit patreon.com or our website or a link in bio, and you can see how you can sign up to be a patron. Or you can make a one-time donation on our website. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie, where they wrote a lot of letters. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you.